0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Vintuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Uh, Let me start with a story. On May 11th, the U.S. Park Service posted this video on Twitter. An accompanying article reads, Two beachfront North Carolina homes collapsed in the wake of a heavy ocean surf. The local park service confirmed that this home was unoccupied when it collapsed on Tuesday afternoon. The 138 square meter single family home with four bedrooms and two and a half bathrooms was valued at about six million Namibian dollars. One might easily wonder why they built so close to the sea. However, when the house was built in 1980, it was over 100 meters from the waves. But since 1998, the shoreline near the collapsed house has eroded at a rate of 4.1 meters per year. Let me tell you another story. In late 1990s, uh, Joshua Harris was a Christian teenager who was ministering to other Christian teens. He was a sought-after speaker and uh, published many popular books promoting courtship over dating. Uh, He went on to be the lead pastor of a megachurch in the United States for 11 years. Then in 2019 on Instagram, he announced that he would be divorcing his wife of 20 years and made a post essentially renouncing his faith where he wrote, I have undergone a massive shift in regards to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. So what do these two stories have in common? Well, that is exactly where our passage today will take us. So if you've been following along with our sermon series, then you know we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5 through 7. And in our passage today, we have finally come to the end. We made it to the conclusion. Yeah, we made it. (laughs) Um, So uh, you can go ahead, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in verses 24 through 27. But since we're jumping in at the end of this uh, sermon, let us go ahead and run through a quick summary of the context So we can get uh, an idea of where today's passage fits into the greater whole. Uh, I want us to start actually just a little bit before the sermon in chapter 4, verse 17, when Jesus first starts his ministry. Uh, His message was simple. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Jesus's message was essentially about God's kingdom. And when we think of a kingdom, we think of a king or a queen who rules over certain peoples or subjects, uh, and they live in a certain realm or or land. Uh, And that is one of the pictures that is used to describe God's rule or his reign. Uh, So when Jesus comes, then, he's inviting people to get on board with God's rule, with God's kingdom. He says, God's kingdom is here, get on board. Uh, so how do they get in then? Well, they repent. That is that they renounce their, their former citizenship in the kingdom of darkness when they were ruled by King Sin, and then they swear loyalty to King Jesus and become citizens of God's kingdom. Kind of like Paul says in Colossians chapter one, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So the true Christian or a follower of Jesus, spiritually, they're no longer citizens of this world, but now they are citizens of heaven. So Philippians three says, for many walk as enemies of Christ. Uh, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. So then Jesus starts off with this message about the kingdom of God, and then these next three chapters in Matthew 5 through 7 uh, kind of unpack Jesus' teachings about what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. So, Heavenly citizenship is not just this kind of of get-out-of-hell-free card. It's a whole way of thinking, whole way of seeing the world. It affects every area of our lives. So Jesus unpacks this in these three chapters. He starts off by redefining what it means to be blessed. The truly blessed person is not the one who's keeping up with the Kardashians, but rather the poor in spirit, those who Mourn, those who seek true righteousness and purity of heart, those who are persecuted for Christ's sake. Then he talks about the heart of a kingdom citizen, the character. Their character is not just this external legalism that is uh, just following the, the, only the letter of the law, just to, to say that you did, but instead they go far beyond what the law requires because they have a a heart uh, expressing a a love for others. Then he talks about the religion of a kingdom citizen. They're uh, they're not just playing the part and looking very religious to, to everyone around, but rather their religious activities overflow from a heart that loves God. Then he talks about the priorities of a kingdom citizen. Their priorities are shaped by the spiritual reality of God's kingdom okay, and not just this temporary physical reality. So they're not chasing after things like money or concerned about physical things of this world. The kingdom citizen seeks God's kingdom and his righteousness and then trusts God to provide for their physical needs. All of these uh, are up on the Sermon Archive on the website, so you can go back and check that out later if you've forgotten where we've been. Um, Then lastly, he finishes up with the response of a kingdom citizen. The true kingdom citizen is the person that doesn't just say the right things, but actually does them. Okay, But then Jesus is like that preacher who says, in conclusion, about four times, and and then you wonder, when is this guy ever going to finish, right? So he gives us four different contrasts, four different pictures which contrast the kingdom citizen from the person who is not a true kingdom citizen. So first in verses 13 and 14, we saw that there were two different paths, right? There was the way of the kingdom, which was narrow and hard, and then the way of destruction, which was wide and easy. And then in verses 15 to 20, there were two different trees, the true kingdom leader That person was very easily identified because of the character of his or her life. Remember the good tree that produces good fruit, but then the false leader is equally simple to spot because they don't demonstrate God's character. And then last week in verses 21 to 23 is a picture of two different defendants who are showing up at judgment day. And the one who is welcomed into the kingdom is the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. But the one who only says the right things, uh, even though he may perform a lot of great works in Jesus' name, but doesn't demonstrate the accompanying lifestyle, that person was cast out. And then the fourth picture is our passage today. Two different builders building on two very different foundations. So now that we see where our passage fits in with the overall context, let's go ahead and read Matthew chapter 7, verses 24-27. to 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So the picture is simple enough. There are two different builders who are building on two very different foundations, right? Every builder knows that the most important part of a building is the foundation. Uh, So what if I told you I have this plot for sale out in Swakop, where uh, prime real estate, right up on the top of a hill, right, gorgeous views from up there. The sea out the one side, the dunes out the other. Anybody want to buy that plot? Go build your house up on top of a sand dune? No. Well, why not? (laughs) Because you know how much the wind shifts those dunes around, and then if it rains, and it's just going to wash the sand right out from under your house, and it's going to collapse. But I tell you what, have you ever been down to Luteritz? Those people got it right. <laughs> right. They poured the foundation of their houses right into the rock of the mountains. And that's like one of the windiest places that you can find in Namibia. I mean, they, they even have windmills there for electricity. But when those heavy winds start to blow, what happens to the houses? Nothing. Those things aren't going anywhere because they're grounded. Right? Their foundation is on solid rock. And so that's the picture here in this passage. So what is the meaning? Well, the builder is you. Or more specifically, it's the person who is hearing Jesus' teachings. And the house is your life. And so the question is, what kind of foundation are you building your life on? Is it the sandy foundation that won't hold up? Or is it the solid foundation? So that's the question, really, that we want to unpack this morning. What kind of foundation are you building your life on? So the first thing we have to figure out, then, is what are these two foundations? So let's start with the solid foundation. What is the solid rock that we want to be building on? Now, I know all you good Sunday schoolers know that the answer to every question in church is always Jesus. Yeah, there you go. Uh, great. And yes, uh, some places elsewhere in the New Testament, we do see that Jesus is described as our foundation in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, and the cornerstone in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But let's be careful here. The message here is a little bit different than that. Look at what Jesus says. The wise builder is anyone who hears these words of mine and does them. So the solid foundation here is actually doing everything that Jesus has just been teaching about. Okay, It's obeying his words. It's, it's living them out. Look just back in verse 21 when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Or we can look just ahead in chapter 12, verses 50. Jesus is talking about his true spiritual family, and he says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Or later in the book of James, chapter 1, we read, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but who uh, a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing being a citizen of god's kingdom means living out the teachings of jesus putting them into practice in your daily life this is is kingdom living so jesus calls this builder a wise person All right wisdom we could say is Uh, Knowledge used rightly, or in other words, it's uh, knowing how to rightly use or apply your knowledge to daily life. And so the person who builds their house on the rock, well, why is this a wise person? Well, because they have learned from Jesus, they've gained the knowledge, and now they are using it rightly in their life, they're living it out, they're saying, yes, uh, Jesus is right. I'm all in, I want to be a kingdom citizen. And so this person is wise because that really is the solid foundation. That house isn't going to fall. They're not going to lose their investment into the sea. Now, if you knew an investment was a sure thing, then you would be wise to to buy into that, right? Back in the end of 2019, uh, just before COVID, Uh, Zoom stock, so Zoom, that's a video conferencing app for those who missed it. Uh, Zoom stock was selling for around 68 U.S. dollars per share. One year later, since everyone was working from home during COVID and then uh, video calling into their work meetings, it was selling at over 500 U.S. dollars per share, 750% gain. Yeah, jackpot for anybody who bought in to that investment rather than, say, like airline transportation. (laughs) Yeah, if only I'd known, could go back and buy in. That'd be great, right? Uh, But that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, I've got some insider trading knowledge. I know that the kingdom of God is a wise investment. You should buy in now because the storm is coming and the citizens of God's kingdom, those are the ones who will be left standing? That's the wise investment, and so that's why the person who builds their life on Jesus's teachings is the wise person. So when Jesus says the way of God's kingdom is narrow and hard, but it leads to life, and the wise person says, "Amen, I'll do it." When Jesus says, "Blessed are those who are mocked and persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." Wise person says, Let's go. When Jesus says, Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, the wise person says, Okay. (laughs) When Jesus says, You cannot serve both God and money, the wise person says, Well, God it is. That is the solid foundation. Everything that we've been hearing all these weeks through this sermon series. Are you in? Are you actually going to do it? Are you a kingdom citizen, building your life on the teachings of Jesus? Now we need a quick clarification here. The obedience that we're talking about, or the doing, is not what makes you a kingdom citizen. right? American me doesn't just... Rock up in Namibia and start acting like a Namibian citizen, and that makes me a citizen. You no, know, I have to go through this long formal application process. But then, as a citizen, I should certainly better start acting like one. Right? Uh, so, maybe a more familiar way to say this is that we are not saved by our works. We're saved by faith alone. But then, as Martin Luther said, faith that saves is never alone. Right, the kind of faith that saves is the one that is demonstrated by our obedience. All right, You get this? Look at uh, James again, this time chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that kind of faith save him? Faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. But someone will say, oh, you have faith and I have works. Well, yeah, try and show me your faith apart from works, and I will show you my faith by my works. It's proven to be true saving faith because it results in obedience. Do you believe that Jesus' teachings are the firm foundation, that that really is the way to eternal life? Do you know how I know if you believe that? Well, if you obey them. If you actually uh, stake your life on Christ and you're building your life on His teachings, not perfectly, none of us are going to get there perfectly, but definitely progressively. Okay, That's what demonstrates to me that you actually believe in Him, that your your works are the evidence of your faith, that it is true saving faith. So sticking with our uh, investment illustration here. Maybe you have a favorite website or something that uh, you read all their articles and it tells you about what are the best stocks to invest in and, and then what are the ones to stay away from. And Now you're wondering why they didn't tell you about Zoom. Um, so, how do I know that you actually have faith, that you actually believe in what they're saying? Well, it's when you put some cash down in those investments that they're recommending. When you put your money where your mouth is, that's how I know you actually believe what they're saying. So this is, this is what it means to be a kingdom citizen. It's having faith that in, in Jesus, yes, that gets you in, but then how you live your life is the proof or the evidence of whether that actually is saving faith in the first place. Okay, So being a, a citizen, or, or more simply we could say being a Christian, or follower of Jesus, it's a whole way of life. It's not just this once-off decision to get you into heaven when you die. It's not like a a gym membership where you keep the card in your wallet, but you never actually go. It's a whole way of life. It's saying, Jesus, Jesus, I'm all in. I will let you set the course of my whole life. So that is the solid foundation we're talking about here. Okay, so let's switch over to the other side. What then is the weak foundation, the sandy foundation? Well, Jesus says this is the person who hears these words of mine and does not do them, which is just the opposite of of everything that we've been saying. So uh, did you ever, while reading through your Bible, come across uh, that phrase that Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear? Maybe we're like, well, that's kind of dumb. That's what ears are for, right? You made them Jesus. You should probably know (laughs) But not everybody who has ears can hear. Right? Some people are deaf or selectively deaf. Right? Anybody who has kids knows that they are notorious for being selectively deaf, particularly when you tell them to do something that they don't want to do. Hey, I told you to clean your room. Oh, sorry, I never heard you. Right? So this is what Jesus means, don't be spiritually deaf, hear and obey. Some people listen, they sit in church, they listen to the sermons, they listen to messages on YouTube, maybe even read their Bibles, but it goes in one ear and right out the other, right? They have ears, but they don't actually hear and obey. Ziggy picked up on this one last week because this is the same person from the previous verses, the one who comes to Jesus saying, Oh, Lord, Lord, but then doesn't actually uh, get into the kingdom. They're not actually a kingdom citizen. Just because you claim to believe, just because you say that you're a Christian, doesn't make you a kingdom citizen. The old songwriter Keith Green used to say, Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. All right, let's look again at James. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that kind of faith save him? Well, the rhetorical answer here is no, it can't. There is a kind of faith that does not save. He continues in verse 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Good for you. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. So what? Demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They say as much in the Gospels, um, but they don't, it doesn't actually do anything for them because they don't do anything about it. Their faith doesn't lead to action. It doesn't lead them to follow Jesus, or in the language of our passage, they hear, but they don't do, they don't obey. So what might be some examples of this then, of the sandy foundation? Some things that would be foolish to build your life on instead? Well, I think Jesus actually gives us some great examples right here in the Sermon on the Mount. So if we think back to chapter 5, Jesus says that the kingdom citizen, that their righteousness overflows from a heart that loves others. But instead, there are some people who are just content with following the law, Okay, that they think that as long as I do all the things that I'm supposed to do and I don't do any of the things that I'm not supposed to do, then I'll be fine. That God will accept me because of my good law following. But you know what? The law requires perfection. And my friends, none of you nor me are, are perfect. It's a sandy foundation. You're trying to build your life on the law. It doesn't hold up. Or maybe... You're like the person described in the first half of uh, chapter 6. That one who likes uh, doing religious deeds outwardly so everyone can see. They come to church, they give money, they do the February fasting. You know, they, they say nice, uh, fancy prayers using eloquent words, like eloquent. And they're trusting in their religious works to be okay with Jesus, with God. God God, look how religious I am. Well, friends, Isaiah says that that fake religion is like women's menstrual cloths that just get thrown out in the trash. It's a sandy foundation. It doesn't hold up. Or or are you like the person in the second half of chapter 6 who's the one who's storing up temporary treasures here on earth and whose desires are captivated by Wealth and money and materialism. Got to love the Apostle John on this one. Uh, 1 John chapter 2. Do not love the world or the things of this world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's a sandy foundation. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever.
1: Or maybe like earlier
0: in chapter 7. You're following the wrong leaders and their false teachings. You're building your life not on the teachings of Christ, but on the teachings of some other so-called prophet who's maybe leading you down the wide and easy road, but all the while they're a a wolf in sheep's clothing, a bad tree bearing bad fruit. Or maybe it's cultural practices and traditions. Yeah, I think we need to go here. Could be from your traditional tribal culture. uh, Could be from pop social media culture. If they're not pointing you to the teachings of Christ, don't follow them. It's a sandy foundation. But my fear is we actually have some of those kind of people here this morning. What kind of foundation are you building your life on? Okay, the last bit then uh, that I think we need to unpack here is what kind of a storm are we talking about here, right? In this passage, it says, the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. Right now, here in Namibia, we can get some pretty decent storms. Just this past rainy season, uh, we had a downpour that, that came so hard at my place that it just totally overwhelmed the storm drain system that goes underneath our, our plot and the water backed up. It had nowhere to go, so it literally lifted up this concrete slab off the ground and it, it took, uh, carried away a bunch of our interlocks and pulled a metal palisade off the wall. But all can tell you, he helped me fix it. <laughs> or rather, he fixed it. <laughs> but water has some amazing force, if you've ever seen it in action. It can do some serious damage especially if a house doesn't have a solid foundation. So what then does the storm in this parable represent? Is this saying, oh, just trust in Jesus and he'll get you through the hardships of life? You know, it's a nice saying, makes for a nice greeting card. But I think this goes a little bit deeper here. Let's take a look at the context. Back in verse 22, it says, On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what day is he talking about? Well, it's the final day. It's the final judgment. It's the day at the end of history when Christ will return and the dead are raised and we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Or back a little further in verse 19, it says, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Oh, what fire? Well, that's how Jesus talks about eternal punishment, hell. Or then back in verses 13 and 14, the way that leads to destruction is contrasted with the way that leads to life. So the storm that we're talking about here is the ultimate storm. It's the final judgment. It has to do with one's eternal destiny. Are you in or are you out? Are you in? The kingdom of God, because you have believed in Christ and then demonstrated that by the obedience that flows from faith. Or have you, have you built your words or your, your entire life on the words of Christ? Then you will be welcomed into the kingdom, to the fullness of the kingdom. Or on that day, are you a faker? who hears his words, but then never actually trusted him enough to build your life on them. Instead, you've built on a sandy foundation that's not going to hold up. Then, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. So that's the storm that we're talking about here. But, as we've already been saying, the being a citizen of, a kingdom, of the kingdom of God is not only relevant for you when you die, that the Christian life is holistic. You don't just become a kingdom citizen when you die, you become a kingdom citizen when you surrender your life to Christ, when you say, Jesus, I'm going to build my life on everything that you say, that's when eternal life begins. Sure, you don't, we don't see it in its fullness yet, like we will at the end, in that day, when Christ returns, but certainly we start to benefit from the, we start to profit from the benefits of the kingdom of God now, of living that Christ-like life. You know how at Christmas time, we always say the little phrase, yes, Jesus was born to die. Again, a nice little phrase, and certainly, yes, he did have to die. That was part of the the purposes that he came for. But why didn't he just then die straight away and get it over with? Because Jesus came here to show us how to live. He spent three years teaching and demonstrating what kingdom living looks like. So it's not just accept Jesus' death in your place for the forgiveness of sins. And then you go to heaven when you die. It's faith in his life and in his teachings. It's believing that what he described as the kingdom citizen is actually the best way to live. And so I'm going to build my life on that. If you were to join the military, say NDF, yeah. They would give you a nice military funeral when you die, right? Maybe you get put in a museum and you get a street named after you if you did something really great. But being an in as a member of the military doesn't just benefit when you, when you when you die, right? You get lots of privileges now. You get the respect of, of wearing that uniform. Maybe you get some nice medals to put on there. Maybe you get a military discount at some shops. Maybe you get one of those nice cars with an NDF license plate so you don't have to stop at all the roadblocks, right? There's benefits that you you gain starting now. So similarly, those who are citizens of God's kingdom, yes, you will dwell with God forever when you die, but you start reaping the benefits in this life now. You can start gaining a little little foretaste of heaven today. Okay, So what then does that foretaste look like? Well, do I have to go back and reread this whole sermon for you? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ. Forgiveness is better than anger. Love is better than lust. Truth is better than lying. Loving your enemies is better than harboring hatred and bitterness in your hearts. An intimate relationship with God is better than fake religion that's just for show. Storing up lasting eternal treasures in heaven is so much better than these temporary treasures of this world that you can't take with you. Trusting in God as a good and loving father who provides for his children is so much better than worrying about whether you'll have food or clothing. Being a kingdom citizen is so much better, not just for when you die but for this life today. So connecting this back then to the storms of everyday life, the kingdom citizen trusts that God is in control, that he is a good father who loves us, and that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Therefore, like James says, they can... Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet various trials or trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So, building your life on the words of Christ can give you great confidence so that no matter what happens, whether it's the end times storm, of the Day of Judgment, or whether it's persecution for being a Christian, or secular arguments that may tempt you to doubt your faith in Christ, whatever it is. If you've built your life on the teachings of Christ, then you're built on a solid foundation. Your faith then can get you through any storm. You have a sure foundation for this life and the life to come. We started this message with two stories, one beach house that collapsed into the ocean and one pastor whose faith collapsed. And I asked you the question, well, what do these two stories have in common? Well, now I think you know the answer is that they both lacked a solid foundation. The person who hears the words of God, the teachings of Christ, but does not stake their life on it, is setting themselves up for a massive collapse. We we cannot ignore the warning in this text. If you're not building your life on the teachings of Christ, if you're putting your confidence in your your good works or in your religious activities, if you're busy following some false teachings, you're going to stand before Jesus. On that day, and say, Lord, Lord, I went to New Song Family Church every week. I listened to every sermon. I even took notes. See, look here in my journal. I gave to the offering, even though they don't pass a plate, but they hide it in the back. I heard it all. Really think that's enough? Yeah, I was there. I listened. I heard. Why didn't you do it? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. If you don't actually do what Christ says, if you're not putting his words into practice and living them out as this kingdom lifestyle, then you should have no expectation that you'll survive the ultimate storm. True saving faith overflows into a life of obedience. So if you don't have the obedience, then there's no reason for you to think that you have true saving faith. But if you look at your life and you realize you've been building on a sandy foundation, and there's good news. It's not too late. It's not too late to, to level that house and start over building on the solid foundation. It's time to to transfer your citizenship. It's time to say, Jesus, I repent. Turn away from following King Sin, and I submit to you, King Jesus, and start following him. Start living this kingdom lifestyle, building building your life on the teachings of Christ. That, my friends is the solid foundation. Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this message that we get from Christ and for his life and his demonstration of what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom, what it really looks like to to live out godliness in, in our lives. I pray that you would help us and stir our hearts to to follow after you, not just with our words, not just with our religious activities, but living it out in our daily lives. Father, give us the courage to follow you, even in, in places and in conversations and areas where that's hard. Father, may we build our lives on you and what Christ has, has taught us and demonstrated to us. May that be the course of our lives. Father, I pray that you would challenge those here uh, who have not built on that foundation, that you would uh, convict them and help them to, to find you, help them to uh, question and, and doubt themselves and, and what they're trusting in, until, uh, you keep them unsatisfied until they find their satisfaction in Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We commit this to you in your name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca. And I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.